Hello, this is Mr. Galley from GCSE English Revision Pod with a quick message for you. If you want even more English Revision Pod in your ears, you can now subscribe to our premium service, GCSE English Revision Pod Plus, where for the price of just over £2 a month, on top of all the amazing free episodes, which will continue to be free and there for you to use, you can also get a selection of amazing bonus episodes on things like Macbeth, A Christmas Carol, Romeo and Juliet, and all your favourite topics covered in the depth and detail that you are used to. If you are interested in getting even more GCSE English Revision Pod, all you've got to do is click the link at the top of this episode description, where you can subscribe to GCSE. English Revision Pod Plus. Hello and welcome to the first GCSE Revision Pod of 2019. A very happy new year to you listeners and to you Mr Forster. Happy new year. As ever we are now going to go through another GCSE style question with you. For those of you who are joining us for the first time or perhaps need a little reminder, if you go to the bio of this episode, there is a link that will take you directly to the handout, which includes both the uh, question we are working from, some key vocabulary that we'll use in the podcast, along with key quotations and that all-important AO3 context stuff. Sometimes I think we do too much, sir. I agree. Speaking about doing too much, what did you get up to over Christmas? I had a, I had a lovely time over Christmas. The, tra- the tradition where I live is that everyone, because I live, uh, I grew up on the coast, and everyone runs into the sea at 11 o'clock on Christmas Day and goes for a nice freezing cold Christmas swim. Well, we're looking at an equally cold uh, Christmas today in in A Christmas Carol. Fantastic. What a, what a seamless link. Nothing cold about that, sir. Nothing cold. Mm. So we're looking at a question today, which is taken from stave three of A Christmas Carol. Um, it fo- it's where the ghost of Christmas present shows Scrooge the Cratchit family Christmas celebrations. Right, so this isn't, uh, Scrooge isn't actually there in a real sense. He's been kind of transported there by the ghost and shown this vision. Taken by the ghost to see the reality of, right. of, of, of Christmas for a poor family. Fantastic. So um, the question goes like this. Starting with this extract, explore how Dickens uses the Cratchit family to show the struggles of the poor. Right, so these are, these are questions that do come up sometimes and it's about how does the writer use a particular feature within the, uh, within the text to achieve something, right? Yeah, so this was the question in June 2017. And actually, I think it threw a lot of students around the country because it's a very, very specific question. Mm -hmm. Lots of students would be prepared for more general questions about poverty or about the lower classes, but they wouldn't necessarily have enough for an entire essay on the Cratchit family. Uh, That's interesting. So we are going to bridge that gap today. Is that the plan? But equally, one thing that is important to note before we start is that actually just because we're writing about the Cratchits doesn't mean we can't compare them with other figures in the novella. No, and that's a fantastic thing to remember through all GCSE style essays, isn't it? Don't feel limited by what the question asks you because you always have that the room for contrast in there as well. Fantastic. So as ever, we're going to start off by looking at the extract. And um, why don't you start off and tell us about that? Uh, well, why don't you give us a bit of context about the, the piece in general before we get into that? Yeah, I think um, before we zoom on the extract, let's talk about what we actually might be talking about in the introduction. I think the first we're okay. going to set out is who are the Cratchits? So the Cratchits are a family of eight. There's um, Bob Cratchit and his wife, and there's six children. And they lie at the heart of this novella's moral message about the need to become more generous and caring towards those less fortunate. So these, these are the people who directly suffer because of the characteristics of 
of people like Scrooge. Precisely. So Bob Cratchit is Scrooge's clerk. He works for Scrooge and he is not paid very much money. What would a clerk do? So a clerk presumably would keep the accounts for Scrooge's moneylending business. Um, but right from the start we see he's this, he's this figure who, is, who lives in utmost poverty. And I think what's important is the Cratchits also, they have a young boy named Tiny Tim. Right, he's, um, he's quite a famous figure yeah. from, the, uh, from the, the, sort of, uh, the story of the, of the novella. And we're never really told precisely what's wrong with him, but what we, do, what we can infer is he's presumably suffering from either um, kidney failure or perhaps rickets. But in any case, he, he is forced to, to use crutches. And um, and ultimately, in stage four, we learn that he dies as a result mm. of the lack of care that he's received from those richer and more privileged in society. So the tragic thing about Tiny Tim is perhaps that he was um, his situation was avoidable. He didn't need Precisely. to die. He didn't need to be ill like this. But uh, Scrooge and Precisely. those like him didn't give him the help he he so needed. Precisely. So looking at this extract now, which is obviously always a logical place to start when right. when doing an essay for literature paper one. So this would be a good time for our listeners as if they've not already done it to pause the podcast go to the bio and click on the link and you will now be looking at exactly what we're looking at now yep so this this extract is a description of the pudding uh, the Christmas pudding taken in on Christmas Day by Mrs Cratchit and then it focuses on the family's appreciation of that pudding and also on them drinking a Christmas drink and celebrating and praising God for, for all that they have or even though they don't actually have that much which is ironic really isn't it so I think we might want to definitely. So we might want to talk about in our topic sentence actually mm. about how this extract is a functions to teach Scrooge that it's not wealth but family and togetherness that brings true happiness. So the the irony being, I suppose, that those who have so little actually have things that Scrooge could never Precisely. dream of possessing. That they appreciate it. And I think one quotation we might immediately look at to show this is how actually um, uh, Dickens notes that although they have quite a small pudding for a large family, he says it would have been a flat heresy for them to admit such a thing. And what do they mean by that? That's a strange, uh, so, strange way of putting it. It's an interesting metaphor because a heretic um, is someone who goes against the teachings of the church. So in this metaphor, it's implied that ingratitude for the Cratchits would be to go against the very, the most fundamental beliefs that define their family. I see. So what you're essentially saying is the idea that they're so grateful for what they do have that they, it wouldn't have even occurred to them that it was not that much. The idea that they even had anything seem to fill them with this great sense of gratitude precisely something that, that could not be more different from the the miserly nature of scrooge that we've already seen and we see more evidence for this also in in the simile describing what they drink from because let's bear in mind that there's six children and two adults and what do they have to drink from they have two tumblers and a custard cup without a handle mm. and this is something that i think probably a lot of our listeners might experience at christmas we, we certainly have this in our house when suddenly you've got a house full of people and you don't have enough cups all these weird and wonderful sort of glasses that you never see at any other time of the year come out all these odd chairs come out to house everyone and this kind of thing but i think the crucial difference is it is the eight cratchits and they don't have they don't even have eight cups so they never they never have enough they never have enough themselves and yet the simile the simile that's used to describe them is important dickens writes they held the hot stuff from the jug however as well as golden goblets would have done wow so the implication being that satisfaction is not to be found in material possessions, mm-hmm. that it's irrelevant to the Cratchits, whether, whether these were indeed um, you know, um, simply tumblers and custard cups or golden goblets. The fact that makes them happy is that they're together. Yes. So this is where the true nature of wealth 
comes in from Dickens's perspective. What we're seeing, what we're seeing personified by the uh, by the Cratchits, is that by being together and by being grateful for the little you have in life, you can achieve a kind of golden happiness yeah. that someone like Scrooge, who ironically is obsessed with gold, would never really have achieved. And yet. There is a counter-argument here that we need to talk about. Um, mm. Even in this extract, it's important to emphasise that Dickens shows the precarious position of the lower classes in what were known as the Hungry Forties. The Hungry Forties, they were known as. Yeah, so that, that's because of the, the unemployment and the poverty that affected large swathes of Victorian society. Um, and we see this here, there's a bit of an AO3 point there, in the description of tiny tim's withered little hand which bob holds Mm -hmm. as if he dreaded that he might be taken from him that's a horrible image isn't it so it's an obvious moment of foreshadowing that shows the inevitability of the boy's death if as the ghost of christmas present notes these shadows remain unaltered right so this is very much a teaching episode of the of the novella then this is very much scrooge being given both a glimpse of what can be valuable in life and also this darker danger that hangs over this situation. Precisely. It's, it's showing his role in bringing about societal change. Because I think what's crucial here is that tiny t- whatever Tiny Tim suffers from, presumably either kidney failure or rickets, these are dis- diseases which are potentially fatal without medical intervention. Right. But crucially, with medical intervention, even in Victorian society, mm. um, he would be able to survive. And it's important to uh, remember as well, um, students who uh, are doing an inspector calls may already know this about the um, advent of the NHS, but this was a long time before there was such a thing as public healthcare, right? Yeah, it's not until the mid-20th century that we get public health care. So we're, we're, we're a great deal of time before anyone's going to give you any medicine for free precisely you've very much got tiny to go tim is reliant on charity yes so i think that leads us to a nice interesting point about the rest of the novella right so we're moving on from the extract at this point we've said enough we feel about the piece that the exam board have given us and we're now as ever moving on to the rest of the novel yeah and i think we want to novella. talk novella correct it's a short novel um before we look at Tiny Tim, and I think Tiny Tim is so crucial, I want to talk to him about him more at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. It, I think it's worth talking about Bob Cratchit. Mm-hmm. So, throughout the novella, Bob Cratchit, Scrooge's clerk, um, he comes to represent the struggles of the Victorian poor because Scrooge's treatment of him functions as a microcosm for wider society's treatment of the lower classes. Right, so students should remember that they're not really seeing one man treating another specific man in a certain way. They are seeing the way that whole groups of people treated other huge groups yeah. of people, right? We can see Scrooge as an everyman figure representing mm. the wealthy, privileged classes. The greedy Victorian. Precisely. And, and his clerk, therefore, is an everyman figure representing the poor. And his treatment, therefore, coming to symbolise wider Victorian problems. Mm-hmm. So I think one first structural point we can make, even without using quotations, is that Bob Cratchit is not even named in stave one. He's not even given a name. He's not even given a name. He's only referred to indirectly by his position of employment. As if his individual identity doesn't matter. It's in not his, important. It doesn't matter selfish what he's worldview. called. Yeah, he's just, he's just a clerk. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and on top of that... Uh, and. Uh, on top of that, Dickens describes how, although Scrooge had a very small fire in his office and is a very cold character, the clerk's fire was so very much smaller that it looked like one coal. So he's, you've very literally got the image there of the, the haves and the have-nots. Scrooge's fire is... is bigger than his class. Bigger, bigger than his class. He's warmer, he's, 
safer because yeah. of it. And I think given of the significance of the motif of fire in the novella, yeah. so that, that uh, repeated symbol that comes to represent um, kindness, the Christmas spirit, mm-hmm. there's the clear suggestion of Scrooge's miserly nature because literally this fire shows how Scrooge is reluctant to spend money on fuel. Right. But figuratively, symbolically, it represents his lack of warmth, his lack of compassion towards mm. his employee. And that's really, there's a sort of strange contrast there, isn't there? Because in terms of which character actually has warmth in his life, it is, of course, Bob. Precisely. And we, we actually see this alluded to in Stave 3, because back in the extract, um, the Cratchits are gathered around the hearth, mm-hmm. in the warmth of their front room, and... And the working class characters that are also shown to Scrooge in Stave 3, the miners, the lighthouse keepers, they're all depicted huddled around fires at Christmas. Yeah. So this is a deliberate use of this motif of fire to represent the, the warmth that Scrooge is lacking in his life. In his life. And this is what he's shown, of course, by the, um, by the spirits. Precisely. Uh, but I think what is therefore very important structurally is that in Stave 5, the last thing Scrooge asks, after obviously sending out for a turkey, mm. is that um, Bob go out and buy another coal scuttle. See, so it's Christmas morning when he, uh, when he sends out for a turkey to buy yeah, I mean, before we go back to the coal scuttle, I think it is worth mentioning that. Mm. For many... Terrible. Terrible, terrible idea. Christmas do you want anything about turkey on any, Christmas morning? Anyone who's ever cooked Christmas dinner knows if you're starting with your turkey on Christmas morning, you are in a, in a world of pain. Precisely. Say, but even when um, Bob is back to work, mm. um, you know, buying this new coal scuttle, it's, it's a sign of... It's a sign, isn't it, of Scrooge's new liberality, his desire right. to share his wealth, but also a metaphor for his newfound warmth. And he's joined the metaphor, hasn't he? At that point, Scrooge, who's always been isolated from this metaphor, who's been a cold character, is now literally... Sending out to buy Sending warmth. out to buy coal, which metaphorically brings him into the warmth yeah. of the Cratchit And, and shows him recognising his, his role, which is spending money to support the, for, the poor. Right, and we'll come on to that later, don't we? Because I know how you feel about that message in the... Uh, novella but I think we're perhaps slightly getting ahead of ourselves yeah. if we talk about that now well I think there's a bit of a stretch and challenge point quite a, a hard point I want to move on to still haven't done now. a jingle for that one we still haven't done a jingle uh, we will yes a new year's resolution new year's resolution and I think that's Tiny Tim yeah so this is a novella where children are clearly central to Dickens's message okay and Tiny Tim like the characters of ignorance and want functions as an allegorical figure representing the tragic consequences of Scrooge's selfish ways. Right, I think we should unpick that a little because I think you, you went a bit wordy there. So, but there's a, so there is this allegoric message of, uh, of ignorance and want. Just remind students quickly who ignorance and want are in the, so, in the novella. So um, ignorance and want are two children who appear at the end of stave three from underneath the ghost of Christmas presents robes. A bit creepy if you ask me. Mm. But um, when I call them allegorical figures, what I mean is that an allegory is a story with a hidden message. Right. So an allegorical figure is a figure whose very appearance represents a wider issue. So is Bob an allegorical figure too? Um, you could see him, but I think more explicitly, ignorance and want, their very names show right. that they are characters purely out of allegory. The, 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 the boy, ignorance, represents the ignorance of society to the needs of the poor. Mm-hmm. The girl, want, represents the, the needs of these poor characters who don't even have enough to eat. And I think, I think therefore, the, let's look at the description of Tiny Tim before we come back to these two allegorical figures, because okay. he too seems a little bit of an allegorical figure. Mm-hmm. So he's described to have borne a little crutch and to have had his limbs supported by an iron frame. 
which, like his father carrying him into the Roman stave three, shows the position of the dependent poor. You can see him as a metaphor for those who are reliant upon the support of others. He's literally reliant upon his crutches, but also figuratively, he's reliant on the charities that give him the healthcare he needs to survive. Right, so without without the charity, he doesn't have the crutch. Without the crutch, he can't walk, he's not supported, and he, he dies. Precisely. Um, and by the end of stave three, there's this parallel, therefore, between Tiny Tim and these figures of ignorance and want. Because um, in both cases, we see the results of the mistreatment of the poor, and specifically the results of a lack of empathy and kindness towards children in the right. working classes. And that really, that was designed specifically by Dickens to tug at the heartstrings, I suppose. That Besides, especially it. around Christmas time. Yeah. I think we see this in the zoomorphic description of the, the of ignorance and wants. So that means they're being described like animals. Okay, um, so they're kind of the opposite of personification. Yeah, they're, they're described as yellow, meagre, ragged, scowling, wolfish, wretched, abject, frightful, hideous and miserable. Which shows how Scrooge and by extension Victorian society has reduced tiny Tim and all of these children to animalistic figures clawing for food and money it's a device that we still unfortunately see used in negative propaganda today isn't it the, certainly uh, um, and often, I've certainly seen across history often around immigration today yeah. sadly um, and I think given that Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol after reading the 1843 Parliamentary Commission on the Employment of Women and Children mm-hmm. it's clear that the vulnerability and suffering of working class children is central to his message right. he, he wanted this book to teach us to care for the poor because of the consequences, because of the results for children like Tiny Tim, Mm -hmm. what would happen to them without that charity? Fantastic. Now, before we wrap up, if I can just go over what I think we've talked about, and you can tell me if I've got anything wrong. So so I'm thinking you're starting this essay with the introduction where you you talked about these ideas about the the moral message and how the cratch is at the heart of that. We're then moving on to the idea of the Cratchits representing how they can be so happy with so little and that represents the real warmth that comes from being poor but still being connected and still being grateful but at the same time seeing showing their vulnerability so despite that happiness they're still vulnerable they're still in need of serious help we would then move on to a paragraph about bob where we would talk about his specific ill treatment at the hands of scrooge and bringing this metaphor of fire yeah specifically about the transformation around that and then finally we would then draw on the allegorical nature of tiny tim's story and the two metaphorical figures of ignorance and want to talk about how ultimately Dickens's message is brought home by... By using children to yes. show these are the ultimate people that need the help of the, the rich. That sounds like a fantastic essay to but, me, but we must wrap it up. I think for a conclusion, there's one thing, a bit like in our last episode we want to complicate, because actually there are some that critique Dickens's message. There, there's something saccharine about the Cratchits. They're, they're idealised. Right. Kind of like a cartoon, poor yeah, family. Yeah, so it's like they, they don't seem real. So Tiny mm. Tim, for example, he's always portrayed as a positive figure who takes joy in his disability um, because for people who see him in church, I quote, it might be pleasant for them to remember upon Christmas Day who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. Now that's difficult to believe really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, if I had, if I was, if I was suffering from like polio or rickets or kidney failure, fatal that was it, potentially fatal disease, yeah. people aren't giving me money, uh, my father's underpaid. Yeah. I'm not going to be sitting in church happy 
happy for the rich people to look at me and thinking about Jesus. No, that's that's going to be cursing them. So, um, what we could kind of say in an essay, therefore, mm. is that Dickens shows an apparent reluctance to engage with the realities of the horrors of poverty, right. which ties in with actually the preface where he writes he wanted the book to haunt his readers pleasantly. He didn't yes. want this to be a horrifying book. Mm. And I think the ultimate A3 point we might want to conclude with is that this is so different from Friedrich Engels, who wrote The Condition of the Working Class in the same year that Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol, based upon the same report on child labour that Dickens read. And yet, Engels concluded that what we needed was social revolution to change the entrenched inequality. What Dickens concludes is that the rich are simply more generous. Yeah. Particularly at Christmas time. Which is, uh, <laughs> Buy a nice turkey for the poor exactly. and it will all be okay. Give, give them a huge turkey at the last minute and expect them to turn it into a, into a well-prepared lunch. Yeah, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't quite have the the full message does he he, he yeah. has a part of it he has a nice part of it but ultimately what you're talking about i suppose is higher taxation is about redistribution of wealth is about sorting out society that's not really in in dickens's mm, message he, so, doesn't, he so, doesn't get that across so, so we could describe it as being quite a socially conservative with, with a small c um message a message that doesn't want to change society mm-hmm. a message that's simply about being slightly kinder yes and i think that is pretty much that would you say sir definitely i think the only danger with that is you don't want to spend too long on that in a conclusion because it is just a final little thought for the examiner to finish off your essay fantastic and thank you very much for joining us for the first revision pod of 2019 as i said at the outset remember you can download all of the notes and the question from today's podcast by following the link in the bio of this podcast and we hope to see you next time Goodbye.